Hello, this is Sean Dixon, and I'm here with Brian Patterson and John Gonzalez. We are each returned mission presidents for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and this is the Preach My Gospel Mission Prep Podcast. We are here to help prepare you to become successful Preach My Gospel missionaries and lifelong disciples of Jesus Christ. In each episode, we explore powerful concepts from every chapter in Preach My Gospel. We will talk to return missionaries and others about their experiences and insights. You can even use this podcast to get institute credit. Let's get started. Well, Brian and John, how are you doing today? It's great great to be back with you. Great to be here. Great to be here as well. And John, you have some some news. I don't know if that's open to share or not. But well, uh, My wife and I received our mission call and we'll be leaving the confines of Salt Lake for Buenos Aires, Argentina. Wow. to serve a two-year mission uh, in that area. So we're looking forward to it, and we're excited about this opportunity to serve. We still have a few months to go, but uh, we are excited to be in the work. Well, this is the third time you've received a mission call from a prophet of God. What's that like? It's as exciting the third time as it was the first time. <laughs> Great. Well, hopefully you're more prepared now that you've gone through the Preach My Gospel Mission Prep podcast, right? <laughs> Be ready to, to, to know what you're doing down there. And there's always things to learn, regardless of how you feel that I know this pretty well. No, there's always things to learn. It's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to do it. And I just, I just admire you and Carlina for, uh, for accepting that call. And it's in some degrees envious, uh, but, but you two are my heroes. You're too kind. Hope but to follow in your footsteps, <laughs> you know, one day. Uh, we're excited. That's great. I had a cool experience yesterday going to the airport to send my son off on his mission. So he's just completed the home MTC. So I was with him kind of through that whole experience for the last seven days or so. And now he's down in the Mexico MTC and he'll be there for until uh, August 25th. So he's he's down there just in the thick of of preparing. Got a little note. It just said, "I made it safe. Tell the family I love you." So that's mm -hmm. that's what we know so far. But I just think it's a fascinating thing that we do is we just put our kids on a plane and and just trust them to the Lord and to the great mission leaders that are out there that will help them to have the experiences they need to have. And remind our listeners where your son is headed off to. So after he goes down to the Mexico MTC, he'll go to the Nevada Las Vegas West Mission speaking Spanish. That will be great. So, yeah. As his uh, grandma said, you're going to a den of iniquity. <laughs> <laughs> but I understand that the church in Las Vegas is very, very strong and Lots of lots of great uh, experiences great awaiting him there. And one third of the people in Vegas speak Spanish. Well, I just spoke uh, the other day with the mission president who just returned the last couple of weeks. And it was fun reacquainting myself with him and visiting over the phone. But I had to chuckle because he's feeling like we all feel. He wants to be back in the field. He wants to be in, involved in the work. He recognizes that that was his moment in time, but he loves the Las Vegas West mission because that was his mission. And, uh, and so your son's going to have a great, great experience. If you talk to this former mission leader, yeah. he'll tell your son that's the best place <laughs> in the world to go. Yeah, he's, he's really excited, and I'm, I'm excited to see the growth that's happening. And, and as I have any hopes and dreams for my son, 
Scott, it's that he will really internalize chapter one of Preach My Gospel. It just seems that when somebody understands their missionary purpose, the joy of their mission just accelerates like crazy. If they don't understand their purpose, frankly, missions can be a bit of a grind. You're just dutifully going through this thing that people tell you is important. But the minute it becomes your mission in the sense that you own it and you recognize what it is that God has called you to do and you believe in that cause, the passion that comes out of you and the drive to do the work just greatly accelerates. And and at that point, I think it's no longer a grind. You actually become energized by your mission. And so in today's episode, uh, we're looking at the Preach My Gospel second edition and making a trip back to, to chapter one and, and looking in chapter one at, at some things that we think are significant. Maybe we can couch this stuff that we would hope that my son could internalize as he begins his mission or any of you listeners could internalize so that, that your mission could move from, from merely what we could say tending the store to actually getting out there and moving the merchandise. John, you highlighted the, the scripture in, in section 123 of the Doctrine and Covenants, verse 12. And I think once we understand what the problem is out there, then we can really work towards providing the solution, right? So, so what's the problem as, as stated in that section of the Doctrine and Covenants? Well, one of the issues I think for all of us is we have a tendency when we're on a mission to think we're trying to, quote, sell our religion to someone else and trying to help them leave the product that they have and adopt another product. Obviously, we know that we're not selling any product. We're trying to declare the message of the restored gospel of Jesus Christ. It's important for everyone to understand that there is confusion in the world, There's frustration in the world, and this verse in the Doctrine and Covenants, to me, speaks exactly what missionaries will find. The Scripture is in Doctrine and Covenants section 123, 12, where it states that many are only kept from the truth because they know not where to find it. Now, missionaries won't find everyone saying, you know, I've been looking for you, and now I've found you. Perhaps they may, but more than likely, they are looking for the truth, but they have been deceived by whatever environment they're in. And so they are either deceived because they view you, the missionary, as something not truthful, or they have been accustomed to the overarching religious environment of everyone's trying to to sell me this product. But once I understand that many are kept from the truth because they don't know where to find it, then the missionary is able to be a true representative to help them understand, here's who I am. Ryan, if if you wake up in the morning and you're thinking about those people, as you're doing your study, as you're doing your exercise, as you're doing your planning, if you have in your mind that there are those out there in my area who are only kept from the truth because they know not where to find it. How does that impact your morning and the way you begin your day and go throughout your day if, if those people are what's at the front of your mind? Well, I think it, it invites more faith into the missionary. He believes that he's on the Lord's errand. He believes that 
that there are people searching for the Lord. And so I'm not just getting out and doing missionary-like things. I believe that God will place in my path individuals that, that, that are described in that scripture you shared, John. I believe that they're real. I believe they exist. Uh, and I want to uh, find them, teach them, right? And, and as you talked about, what, what is it that they're searching for? You said they're searching for the truth. And, and the greatest truth, as we, as we learn in, in this first chapter, Preach My Gospel under the gospel of Christ and doctrine of Christ, that the gospel message is that we can access the saving, redeeming power of Jesus Christ. That's what people really want. They want to access power that comes only from Jesus Christ and his atonement. So I have to believe that there are people who, who really do want to grow in their faith, that they do want to, to change and align their lives with God, that they really do want to be in a covenant relationship with God. They may not know that. They may not know and understand how that works. But, but our charge, our message is you have a Savior and a Redeemer and one of the best ways to teach people about him is through the Book of Mormon. They don't have that. I would invite everyone listening, if you haven't been through the temple, when you go, be looking for this. And if you have gone through the temple, the very next time you go, be looking for this. As you receive the instructional process, and as you see Adam and Eve in the the wilderness, and they are seeking truth. And then you'll see true messengers come. And Adam, in, in essence, doesn't know where to find it, and he asks them, well, gee, how, how do I know you have any truth to share with me, as opposed to everyone else that, that's trying to deceive me? And then the messengers are teaching them in such a way that they know, okay, now I know that this is from God, and now I want to listen to you. So I would just invite everyone, just the next time they go through an endowment session, to put in their mind, they are the missionary, and they are the messengers sent to Adam and Eve. And I love that the first thing that Adam and Eve are taught is about the redemptive power of Jesus Christ, about the lamb on the altar, and asked to do that to help them to see this is the process of how I can walk back into God's presence. And so really what we're doing is we are there as true messengers of God to help these lost souls, these lost sheep, to be able to reverse the effects of the fall and be able to walk back into the presence of God and to become like him. So regardless of, of how many people have been taught in that area in the past, or how many doors have been slammed in your face, you may think there's nobody out there that fits that description. I think it takes faith to believe that those people are out there. And when I wake up in the morning and I offer a prayer as I leave my apartment, I'm not going finding. I'm going to find those people. I have that purpose in mind. My son shared with me on his mission, and I know this was a well-intentioned thing by previous missionaries, but their goal was to knock on every door in the area. And that was the end goal, is to get to the end of that goal and be able to say, I knocked in, on every door in the area, which 
is an eager, ambitious, hardworking goal. But and it's not necessarily bad. It's not bad at all. It's it's like wow, that's 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 amazing. But did they do it with the intent to find those people who were kept from the truth, or did they do it just to get the doors knocked? And I think that's the difference of what chapter one is teaching us. It's not about, as you said, Brian, doing missionary things and filling your time. It's about literally going out there and trying to find these people, teach them, invite them to come unto Christ by helping them receive the restored gospel. And with that kind of mindset, when I wake up, you know, getting up at 630, no problem. I got to get about this or or planning so I'm in the right place. Absolutely. It's, it's all done with this missionary purpose in mind. And I think that's what leads a missionary to have spiritual power, not just get through their mission. And Sean, you highlighted this before we started recording. In that first section under your commission to teach the restored gospel of Jesus Christ, there's a statement that says, to come to the Savior, people need to have faith in him. So that purpose that you've just talked about is I need to find someone that I can help build faith in Jesus Christ and in his atonement. Someone who is looking for that. Someone who is looking for comfort. I need to find and they need to come to know the Savior. And then in that same statement it says, you the missionary can help them develop this faith as you teach them the restored gospel of Jesus Christ and testify to them, as you invite them to commit to live according to its teachings, as you follow up and help them act on those commitments, and as you help them have experiences in which they feel the influence of the Holy Ghost. To me, that underscores this entire Preach My Gospel. So, so your job as a missionary is to teach, invite, follow up, and help. And their job is to exercise faith, repent, be baptized, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, and endure to the end. So we're just facilitating them doing those things that they need to do to become like Heavenly Father. And specifically to, to look for those, as, as our prophet, President Nelson, has said, he almost helps us with section 123 that you read earlier to find those that will let God prevail in their lives, those that will allow these experiences to, to grow their faith, to accept commitments, to, to follow through. Uh, and so, you know, missionaries can go out and talk to a lot of people, and we, we certainly want to talk to everyone, but looking for those that will let God prevail. Sometimes missionaries can get really focused on trying to prove the message, uh, trying to somehow use the scriptures to convince somebody when really less talking and more observing, listening, asking simple questions. I'm trying to discern, is this person yeah. receiving the Savior? And there's evidence that they're receiving the Savior if they'll accept an invitation to be taught, if they'll accept an invitation to read the Book of Mormon, if they'll accept an invitation to come to church. Now, we have to help them get there at yeah. times, but I, I'm just not trying to teach anybody yeah. who are those that will let God prevail in their lives. They're really searching for God. Uh, and, and because of uh, maybe stereotypes and because of the, the badge that we wear and what they've learned about us, 
oh, we have to work through some of those things patiently, but but we have to believe they're there. My wife, Michelle, used this analogy with our missionary. She got a bunch of little smooth rocks, a big pile of them, and painted on the underside of the rocks gold paint. And she had, I don't know, maybe maybe 10 or 15 in that pile that had the gold paint on them and then had missionaries come up and just flip rocks and go. And they were just flipping rocks until they found a gold one. And once they found that gold one, you know, they, they've got that focus. And we came to understand that you have to flip a lot of rocks to find those golden ones, to find those whom the Lord has prepared. The more rocks you flip, the more people that are prepared you're going to find. Oh, and, right. and I think if you can get the members excited to work along with you and help them understand the purpose of missionary work, you can either do the work of 100 or you can get 100 people to do the work. And you have a lot of people out there flipping rocks. And as everybody's doing it, the number of prepared people are just going to start to emerge in an area. And then missionaries can do those four things that you just read about, John. You know, you're looking at these rocks. They're not that <laughs> impressive. You can't tell by their exterior. Yeah, you, uh, you just don't know who's in a position in their life in that moment to really let the Lord do his work that, that will be receptive to the so Spirit. So you talk to everybody, right? You open your mouth so you can reveal where this person's really at. And the scripture comes to mind in the Doctrine and Covenants, section 35, verse 12. And there are none that doeth good except those who are ready to receive the fullness of my gospel, which I have sent forth unto this generation. As I read that, those who are doing good, who are trying to, to have a good life, they're ready to receive the fullness of the gospel. And so those who are listening have at it. <laughs> As I got reading this, this chapter again and thinking about my son, I just thought about how bad when I was a missionary that I wanted to have spiritual power. I've been set apart by my stake president from the world, and I was set apart as a full-time missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And as a result, I want to have power in my calling, not just just go through my, that my mission. And it, it talks about under the authority and power of your calling, this idea that, that through your calling, through your setting apart, you have authority. But I was particularly drawn to the part about how we can gain spiritual power. And so it says, in addition to authority, you need spiritual power to fulfill your calling. And then he goes through and outlines some of the things that you can do as a missionary to have spiritual power. Is there anything in that list that you see there, Brian and John, that stands out to you about what a missionary can do in order to have spiritual power in their work? Well, the first thing, the first bullet there says, use the scriptures to teach people. And so that tells me I need to study the scriptures. I need to immerse myself in the scriptures so that at the appropriate time, I can teach from what I've studied and understand that will help the individual I'm working with. Excellent. You remember the example of Hiram Smith where he was invited to, to first obtain the word and then he could declare it. Uh, I love in the first chapter of Preach My Gospel, there's this statement from Hiram Smith under the section, The Gospel of Christ and Doctrine of Christ. As I read it, I loved it. 
It said, preach the first principles of the gospel. Preach them over again. You will find that day after day, new ideas and additional light concerning them will be revealed to you. You can enlarge upon them so as to comprehend them clearly. You will then be able to make them more plainly understood by those you teach. So do you see this missionary? I'm thinking of your son, my son who's out serving. Day after day, as they study and better understand the doctrine of Christ or the gospel of Christ, and as they teach day after day these principles, new ideas, new additional light. And I think as that as those new ideas come, as new additional light comes, that, that gives them power to then open the scriptures and share the good news, the message that, that, that there is a Redeemer, there is a Savior, that they haven't sinned so great that he can't help them overcome that and return to their Father in heaven. And so this idea of continually going to the scriptures, continually trying to teach what we know, you'll never know enough. But as you do that, and in the process of doing that, more power will come into your lives. I love the, the promise that kind of goes along with that, that when you open your mouth, it will be filled. Do you have faith in that? Like, that's a scary thing. Like, I want to I want to know everything exactly what I'm going to say, but the Lord says, you're my instrument. You know, that second bullet point, receive the Spirit's guidance about what the Lord would have you say. And speaking of Hiram Smith, look what it says in section 84, 85, verse 85. Neither take ye thought beforehand what you shall say, but treasure up in your minds continually the words of eternal life. Obtain the word, treasure that up in your morning study, and it shall be given to you in the very hour that portion that shall be meted unto every man. So it's, it doesn't say don't prepare. In the morning, treasure up the word and then trust that in the moment, God will give you the words to say and you will have moments on your mission where you will feel that spiritual power that comes from, wow, I learned something from what I just said, and I know that did not come from me. I think we each can testify of that experience as young missionaries, as mission leaders, and even in our callings throughout the years, how this principle is a powerful principle that as you treasure up the words of Christ, as you immerse yourself, then when you're in a situation where you're at a loss— of, of how to help someone or how to respond, you have that faith. And just like you say, Sean, you're just amazed of what you learned and that that didn't come from you. And this is not easy to do. This is something that a missionary has to grow into. You know, President Nelson has recently invited the members of the church to grow in the principle of revelation. And, you know, we just need practice. Yeah. And so being patient in that process. But oftentimes it's not until we look back on an experience that we see that, wow, God was guiding yeah. my words. God was putting thoughts. It just seemed normal to me at the time. In my mind. And and so you, you have to be patient with that process. And, and the Lord's going to give you a little time to <laughs> to grow into that. But what a, what a great opportunity. That, that spiritual power, when God can speak through you to another individual that you barely know, that's God's power at work. You say exactly what they needed to hear, right? Verse 88, we just go down three more verses. Do you all believe this? And whoso receiveth you, there I will be also. For I will go before your face. I will be on your right hand and on your left 
and my spirit shall be in your hearts and mine angels round about you to bear you up. That is an absolutely inspiring verse to me to know that, yeah, you're 18 years old. You didn't pay full attention in seminary. You, you don't know everything that you need to know, but you are now a consecrated missionary focused on your purpose, and God will go before your face. You are his mouthpiece. And the third bullet point talks about even having him tell you where to go as you pray before you leave your apartment or as you're in your planning. Heavenly Father, what would you have us do today? Where would you have us go and listening to that spirit, you're entitled to be guided in those decisions, right, John? Well, I, as we're having this discussion and we're looking at the bullets about spiritual power and how we can manifest that in us, I'm looking at that uh, fifth bullet, take part in the ordinances of salvation. As you prepare to serve a mission, what better way, if you want revelatory experiences, and like you say, Brian, grow in this ability. In my mind, what better way than to continually participate in the ordinances of the temple if you have that opportunity, and for some even to be temple ordinance workers before they leave so that they can feel the power and have revelatory experiences if indeed that's their mindset when they go and have these experiences in the temple. And we can have these experiences each week. Uh, Think of a a young person who's preparing to serve a mission who thoughtfully considers the the doctrine of Christ in their lives each week. That my charge as a disciple is to exercise real faith in Jesus Christ. And what would that look like for a young adult exercising faith each day the, the invitation to repent uh, from our prophet daily, to learn that I can grow spiritually as I seek to repent and I can draw strength from the Savior. And then I approach the sacrament table, having already exercised faith unto repentance and then thoughtfully approaching the covenant that I make with the sacrament. I'm going to feel God cleansing me, washing me, as I receive and qualify for the Holy Ghost. And then as I strive to listen and follow those promptings in my relationships with my family, my parents, my siblings, my co-workers, my friends, as I strive to do and live that covenant that we make each week with the sacrament, I think I'm better prepared to teach the gospel of Christ or the doctrine of Christ with real power because I'm living it, I'm doing it in my own life. I love what you've highlighted there, both you, Brian, and John, about the power of the ordinances of salvation in our own life. And attached to every one of those ordinances, there are covenants that we make. And I may be different than you, but I know when I first made these covenants, if you asked me a day later what I just promised to do, I don't think I could, I could tell you what I had promised to do. As we just go a little further, we see this little personal study section where it outlines really the, the three major, three or four major ordinances that they've received, baptism, confirmation for elders, the Melchizedek priesthood, and then the temple endowment. And it gives a nice little review of what they have promised God that they would do. And I love that the power, spiritual power, comes when we are actually 
keeping those covenants. In the uh, baptism and confirmation, that I'm willing to take upon me the name of Christ, that I keep the commandments, that I serve God and others and endure to the end. The Melchizedek priesthood oath and covenant, I'll, I'll be faithful and worthy. I'll magnify my calling. I'll give diligent heed to the words of eternal life. And then in the temple endowment, there's those five covenants, the law of obedience, the law of sacrifice, the gospel of Jesus Christ, chastity, and consecration. So we can ask ourselves regularly, and, and the sacrament is a great place to do that, how am I doing at keeping and embracing these covenants? Because that is where power comes from. It's in us making and keeping covenants with Jesus Christ. The scripture that comes to my mind as you say that, Sean, is Doctrine and Covenants section 84 and verse 20. Therefore, in the ordinances thereof, the power of godliness is manifest. And in that next verse, and without the ordinances thereof, and the authority of the priesthood, the power of godliness is not manifested unto men in the flesh. I think I heard Elder Bednar once equated the power of godliness with the power of the atonement of Jesus Christ. So really, in the ordinances thereof, the power of the atonement of Jesus Christ in our lives, and indeed in the lives of those who we are teaching, is manifested in the ordinances. As we, as we think about receiving real power to fulfill our calling as a missionary, chapter 6 of Preach My Gospel, there's a, an additional attribute that's been added, and it's the attribute, the Christ-like attribute of integrity. And I, I'd just like to highlight some of the definitions of integrity as highlighted here in Preach My Gospel. Integrity flows from the first great commandment to love God. Because you love God, you are true to him at all times. Uh, it goes on, when you have integrity, you understand that there is a right and a wrong. and There is absolute truth, God's truth. Uh, when you have integrity, you do what is right, even when others scoff at your desire to be true to God. When you have integrity, you keep your covenants with God, as well as your righteous commitment to others. Integrity includes being honest with God, yourself, your leaders, and others. Uh, when you do something wrong, you accept responsibility and repent instead of trying to justify or rationalize it. And then it highlights the promised blessing of inner peace and deeper self-respect. And that and the, the Lord and others will trust you. So as a missionary, as I present myself to other people, uh, if I'm filled with integrity... I think people can sense that. I think people can see that. I think people can feel that. It will add power to my words. It will add power to my interactions with them. Uh, Elder McConkie once said this, Let us make this clear. There is no conversion, no spiritual experience, unless the Spirit of the Lord is involved. Now note what you are saying is true. Everything you say is accurate and right, but it's not of God. Conversion comes and the truth sinks into the hearts of people only when it is taught by the power of the Spirit. So think about this in terms of integrity. Uh, I, can, I can say, I can speak truth, I can say the right thing, but unless that's who I am, unless that's in me, uh, I'll lack 
real power. I'll lack converting power. The Spirit needs to be able to take my words and and bring them unto the hearts of those that I'm teaching. And and that will require that that I'm living it. And, and as it says in there, not not just when others are watching, but rather this is who I've become. I'm the message. You know, Brian, as you say that, I'm thinking of the definition in the dictionary of integrity. And one of those definitions is the state of being whole or undiminished. And what you have described is an individual who's undiminished before those he or she is teaching, who's whole, that there's not uh, something behind that they're trying to hide. They are whole. They are undiminished before those that they present the gospel to. And it doesn't mean that the missionary is perfect, but rather the missionary recognizes and corrects mistakes through the atonement of Jesus Christ quickly, even even daily, as, as we're invited Without making do. excuses or rationalizing behavior, owning weakness, owning my, 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 my problems, my, my choices, and working to make them right. That is a person of integrity, regardless of whether how, how perfect they are at, at doing those things. And a person of integrity has real power to help bring people to the Savior. And I think that begins to lead us into the section in chapter one about what it means to be a successful missionary. You know, somebody that, that has integrity in the work and is committed to their missionary purpose is a successful missionary. It says right there under, in chapter one under a successful missionary, your success as a missionary is determined primarily by your desire and your commitment to find, teach, baptize, and confirm converts and to help them become faithful disciples of Jesus Christ and members of his church. I could add, just as a side note, that's not necessarily just to missionaries because your success as a father, your success as a primary teacher is determined primarily on your desire and commitment to help those around you, to teach them, invite them to have covenants and have them really committed and converted to the gospel of Jesus Christ and being disciples of Christ. We're successful when we do that, and they are, the people we're teaching are successful when they make and keep commitments and covenants and, and that sort of thing. So your success is not determined by how many people you teach or help bring to baptism nor is it determined by holding leadership positions. Your success does not depend on how others choose to respond to you, to your invitations, or to your sincere acts of kindness. People have agency to choose whether to accept the gospel message or not. Your responsibility is to teach clearly and powerfully, as we've just been talking about, so that they can make an informed choice that will bless them. Thoughts on that, Brian? Yeah, I'm just trying to picture a missionary, and, and missionaries put a lot of pressure on themselves. They, most missionaries, if you ask them, don't feel like they're measuring up. Uh, and, and this little section here, I think, invites us to see and understand what it means to be truly successful. And I can't help but think of, of the two great commandments. If a missionary... Is, is driven with a desire uh, because they love God and they love their neighbor. They're going to be in a pretty good space. Uh, of course, there's some skills to learn. 
I, I, I can learn how to share the gospel with, with uh, you know, ask good questions and work through some of those teaching skills and so forth. But, but all, all said and done, if I'm filled with a deep desire because I love God and I love my, my neighbor, uh, I'm going to be doing really good things. As Elder Bednar would say, go be a good boy <laughs> and a good girl and just do the best you can. And, and work through disappointment, work through some of those struggles. And I just really think the Lord wants to work through his missionaries. He, he, he sees you where you're at, and he wants to work <laughs> through you. And uh, what an what a opportunity to grow. You know, we've gone through this first chapter of Preach My Gospel, the second edition, uh, and haven't even come close to really getting into it. And so I, I'm excited, and I hope the listeners are excited to take every effort to, to get into the Preach My Gospel, the second edition. I look at uh, the personal study prompts, one uh, that's under the authority and power of your calling to study Doctrine and Covenants, section 109, which, is, uh, which has the excerpts from the dedicatory prayer of the Kirtland Temple. I, I just can't imagine studying that and the power that comes from understanding what that's saying with uh, the power that will come as I serve a mission and, and engage with people on the street and, and wherever I'm called to serve, whether it's Buenos Aires or whether it's Provo. It does not matter. The end of the day for all of us, we understand there's going to be disappointments in missionary work. Things aren't going to go exactly how we hope. It may take us days and days to find one of those golden rocks, one of those people that, that are prepared. But as we just wake up every morning and just make this one commitment, that I'm going to give this day to the Lord, and I'm going to go about doing my very best in all of my weakness to doing what Jesus would do today. Take all the stress of missionary work off your shoulders and just decide, I'm going to get up and I'm going to follow what Jesus would do. And I have a full time to do it. Someone's going to put money on my debit card, so I don't have to worry about that. Um, my apartment's been paid for, so I have a roof over my head. I have food to eat. I get to have this time in my life that I can just devote myself to helping Heavenly Father be reunited with his sons and daughters. And I think as I think about missionary work that way, a lot of the stress of it goes off. The comparison, am I this or am I that? Or what is, you know, how are people responding? All those things just kind of melt away. And I just get to engage in the greatest cause that's happening on planet Earth and just yield myself as an instrument to Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. And I just invite all of you listeners out there to enjoy that great commission that great opportunity. Uh, life becomes a bit complicated when you get home. There's a lot of decisions you'll have to make, a lot of stress that comes, lots of wonderful things. Definitely look forward to it. But enjoy this time that you have to go out and be about your father's business. And great peace will come into your life. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Preach My Gospel Mission Prep Podcast and that it helps you in your study of Preach My Gospel and preparing you for your mission. Please join us for our next episode. 
And if you feel this podcast might be helpful to others preparing to serve a mission, please invite them to join us on our journey through and discovery of Preach My Gospel. For more information on how to get Institute credit for this podcast and other offerings by the Utah Valley Institute of Religion, please visit utahvalleyinstitute.com. You may also find us on Instagram at Preach My Gospel Podcast. Feel free to send questions or comments to preachmygospelpodcast at gmail.com. The Preach My Gospel Mission Prep Podcast is produced with the permission of the Utah Valley Institute of Religion. The hosts are expressing their personal views based on their own experiences, applying the principles of Preach My Gospel, and accept full responsibility for the content in these podcast episodes.